Hey, I'm excited to uh, start off a new series this morning that we're calling Keep the Change. We're going to spend three weeks uh, looking at how God works in and through the changes in our lives. And, and I just want to uh, say that I think this series is uh, personally significant for me because as we've talked about, as we're anticipating this summer coming, summer for all of us is often a, a season of change, right? There's new things that happen. And uh, with our family being able to take three months of Sabbath rest and renewal, uh, part of the challenge that I am trying to prepare my heart for is how does God want to change me in that process? What does God want to do in me that will allow me to be a better husband, to allow me to become a better father, to allow me to be a better pastor and a leader in my life? And isn't that a desire that we all have, is to to grow and to develop in our lives, to change for the better? And, And one of the things that we recognize is that change is unavoidable. Change is inevitable. It's not if we change, right? Change is a part of life. And one of the things we've talked about many times here at Faith Covenant Church is that when we recognize how God has created us and designed the world in which we live, we recognize that healthy things grow. And if we're growing and if we're healthy, healthy things that grow, it also means that growing things change. I mean, if you've had kids or grandkids they change constantly, right? I mean, Lucas is almost taller than me now. He's constantly changing. Change is inevitable, but it's also a healthy part of life. The question has never been whether or not we will experience change. The question is always, how will we respond to change when it happens? Will we embrace it and will we ultimately learn from it so that we can grow or will we ignore it and let it overwhelm our lives and cause us uh, to go into more of a downward spiral or to isolate ourselves and to hide from what God might be wanting to do in our lives? Now, in reality, we also know that if you spend any time looking through Scripture, the Christian life is intended to be all about change right? When we say yes to Jesus and and we experience a new birth in in new life in him, it's supposed to change us completely from the inside out. This transformation of life is about the spirit of God changing us day to day to become more like Jesus. And when does that process of change stop? Right? Not in this life, not until Jesus comes again, until history is all over and the story is done. And, and even then, we don't know what's going to happen in heaven. We might continue to grow and change in eternity as we live with God in heaven. But you see, the Christian life is supposed to be all about change. And the fact that Jesus is alive means that Jesus changes everything. And the journey of following Jesus as his disciples becomes a lifelong journey of change. It's the ongoing transformation of our lives to become more and more like him. Yet, how many of us this morning love change? Show of hands. Okay, a few of us. A few of us are, are, are not risk-averse or change-averse, right? But, but I'd also like to suggest that whether you embrace change or not, and knowing that change is a part of life, isn't it more often true that we like change when it's on our own terms? Right? 
We know from Scripture and the stories of God's people through the centuries that one of the primary ways that God works in our lives and accomplishes His purposes is through times of transition and change. But the challenge that we also have to recognize is that change can bring a new opportunity for us in our lives, but can also bring a new risk of danger that we would not pursue or learn from God's purposes in our lives, but we would go our own ways. How we view change in our lives and how we respond to change can impact how change affects our lives. And that's really what I want to focus on in this series that we're calling Keep the Change. See, we're asking the question over the next few weeks, if change is inevitable, how can I allow God to use the changes in my life positively instead of experiencing them negatively? Or maybe another way to ask the question is, am I willing to trust God in the midst of my life's changes? Now, as a church, we are in a season of change. We've been in a season of change. And I think even in the midst of that, we have a lot of things that we can celebrate. We see new people coming to Faith Covenant Church every Sunday. Do you know we had our largest Easter Sunday in April that we've had in the last four years? God is at work at Faith Covenant Church. He is bringing new people into our midst. We have over 60 people who have signed up for the Real Life Discipleship training groups to be a part of learning how to be disciple makers. Many of you made a Real Life Together commitment this year where you you stepped up and you said, I'm willing to, to not only show up on Sunday morning, but to help make Sunday morning happen, to get involved in a discipleship small group, to serve on at least one serving team, and to be a part of supporting the church with my time, talent, and treasure. Change is happening in our church, and change is happening in my life, and I can almost guarantee that change is happening in your life too. So our hope and our prayer this morning is that the changes that we experience individually and together as a faith community become opportunities for God to change us from the inside out to become more like Jesus so that our experience of change is the very transformation of our souls to experience the new life that God desires us to have, the freedom to become the people that he created and designed us to be. In that sense, our prayer this morning is that each one of us is able to learn how to embrace and keep the change that God is working in our lives. In this time of year, as summer approaches, many of us are going to be going through a lot of change or getting ready for change. Uh, Whatever change you're anticipating in this window of time that you're approaching, think about how much that change is going to impact your life. Some of you are probably planning to move to a new house. This is the season where we buy and sell houses and we move. And so you might be planning to move or some of you are going to be going to a new school next year and you're going to be introduced to a whole new group of people that you have to make new friends all over again. Some of you parents are launching a a student into middle school for the very first time, or maybe into high school for the very first time, or even better yet, you might be launching your kids into college for the very first time. And this might be your very first opportunity to have an empty nest. (laughs) Woohoo! Kids are going, what? Why would you be happy about that? (laughs) Or maybe you're cringing. I don't know if it's going to work out very well. (laughs) 
Some of you may be starting a new job or looking for a new job. Some of you are anticipating having your very first child. Get ready. (laughs) Change is coming. The other reality I think it's important that we recognize as we enter into this series is that there are some changes that we choose and there are some changes that we didn't see coming. Aren't the most difficult changes the ones that we didn't choose and that we didn't see coming? You didn't choose that diagnosis. You didn't choose that illness. You didn't choose that loved one to pass away. You didn't choose that relationship to go sour. I mean, you thought marriage was until death do us part. And then something happened and changed everything. You didn't choose that. You didn't even see it coming. You didn't know your company was going to be downsizing and that your position was going to be erased. Isn't it true that the toughest changes are the ones that you didn't choose and that you didn't see coming? What change, I wonder, are you going through today? Did you choose it? Did you see it coming? And I want to ask an even more important question that I think gets to the heart of the matter. I wonder, what might God want to do in you in the midst of the change that you're experiencing? Because here's the reality I want to suggest that we see in Scripture. You're never more teachable than in the midst of a transition or change. You're never more teachable than in the midst of a transition or change. Think about the importance of this statement for a minute. All of us, as I said earlier, we want to grow. We want to be better. We want to develop. We want to have happy and successful marriages. We want to be better parents. We want to be good students and and get good grades. We want to develop and have good finances. We want, as Christians, to be better disciples of Jesus. But the problem, if we're truly honest with ourselves and with God, is that oftentimes we're really not all that teachable. We're really not all that teachable, are we? A lot of times, in fact, we ask, act as if we know it all. We've already arrived. We really have nothing else that we need to learn in life. I mean, how many of you have ever flown on an airplane? Yeah, most of us, right? You know that important few minutes when they ask for your undivided attention <laughs> to review the procedures for what you should do in case of an emergency? How many of you listen intently through the whole presentation? (laughs) I don't. (laughs) What do we do? We get out our phones or our tablets and we're texting or getting a final email in or doing a little bit of work and blah, blah, blah. They're talking. I mean, I never listen to those speeches anymore. But but what if in, in in an emergency 10 seconds you had to get out your life vest and put it on? Would you be able to do it? I think many of us might not be able to. Now, let's change the scenario. Imagine you're in the plane, you're flying through the air, and all of a sudden, you experience a change, right? There's a change in cabin pressure, and the masks fall, and the, and, and, and the altitude drops out from under you, and the stewardess or, 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 or the steward gets up and begins to give this emergency presentation again really quickly so you know what you're doing. Now, how teachable do you think you're going to be? <laughs> Probably the most teachable person on the planet, Right? Why? Because you're never more teachable than when you're in the midst of a transition, when you're experiencing change. 
Now, the Bible tells us that we should pray at all times. Yet, why is it that often we wait until we are in a season of difficult transition and change to actually get on our knees and pray to God? See, what we learn is that God often does his greatest work in our life in the midst of change because that's when we become teachable. That's when he can get us where he wants us so we're actually willing to pay attention and to listen and to accept his advice and his guidance in our lives. If you think through every hero in the Bible, there isn't one that God didn't use a season of transition and change in their life to grow them and to lead them on the path that he had for their life. Think of Abraham. Think of Moses. Think of Noah. Think of every disciple that followed Jesus. Think of Joseph's life. In fact, we're going to be looking at Joseph's life next week and the week after. Today, though, I want to focus on the story of the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul, who was originally Saul, who God later changed his name to Paul, who wrote over half of our New Testament, who planted more churches and did more to spread the gospel after Jesus than anyone in history, also went through some of the most dramatic and profound experiences of life change that we see in Scripture. Now, we're going to look at one experience of change that he went through. And at the time he went through this change, he wasn't even a Christian. He wasn't even a believer. In fact, it says that he hated Christians. His whole life was about uh, hunting down Christians and arresting them and putting them in prison or even putting them to death. And yet God had his hand on Saul's life. And I want to pick up the story in Acts chapter 9. The story goes from verses 1 to 30, but we're only going to have time to look at the first 19 verses today. But I encourage you to be perhaps reading through the story of Saul's life in your quiet times this week. It says in verse 1, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias, and the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Now, the story goes on from there, and he eventually uh, learns from the believers in Damascus and then goes down to Jerusalem and meets with the other apostles and is discipled by them. Uh, But what we see going on here in the story with Saul is that verse 1 begins by saying, meanwhile. Meanwhile what? Meanwhile, the church is exploding, right? Christianity is spreading throughout the known world, and yet Paul is going around trying to hunt down Christians and bring them to to the court in Jerusalem and to arrest them and to put them in prison. On a scale of 1 to 10, how teachable do you think Saul is at this point in his life? Any guesses? Big fat zero? (laughs) Zero! He's not teachable at all. In fact, he's completely the opposite of teachable. And I'm wondering, maybe as you and I look at the story of Saul, have you and I ever been in the position that Saul has been in? Have you ever been at zero in your place of teachability? Have have you ever been in a time in your life where you you really weren't interested, you weren't really looking, you weren't really caring? In fact, even if uh, if God showed up and spoke to you, you'd probably just reject it and say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. So the question might be, what does it take to get you and me out of a season or a mindset of indifference to a place where we can be teachable again and that God can can bless us and use us to, to be a blessing to others? Often it's going through a time of change. And that's what we see happening in Paul's life. See, see what happens to Paul. Paul's going about his life, and he thinks he's in the right. He thinks he's doing the good thing. He, he's even you know, going above and beyond what other people are doing to try and do good. And all of a sudden, he has this lightning flash experience, and, and he's blinded by the presence of God. And isn't it kind of ironic that here's a man who has blinders onto God who all of a sudden becomes blind? And you know what happened in Paul's life that finally got him to see what God was doing in his life? Paul only began to see God clearly when he lost his sight. See, all of a sudden, a massive change happened in his life. And as a result, he finally began to become teachable. When it comes to change, we often only focus on the question, why, right? Why is this happening to me? God, why are you doing this to me? Is it my fault? Is it your fault? Why why is this going on? If you're a good God, if you love me, why would you allow this to happen in my life? But when it comes to navigating change, I'd like to suggest for us that why isn't the most important question. The most important question is what? God, what are you trying to teach me in this moment? God, how do, I want to use, how do you want to use this experience for me to, to learn and to grow and to become a, a better human being, to become a better follower of Jesus, to become the kind of person that you want me to be? If I'm most teachable in times of transition, I've got to get good at asking the questions of what God wants me to learn rather than why is God leading me in this direction? And we see that Paul began to ask this question for the very first time in his life. Now, the other thing that we see going on in Paul's reaction to this experience of change is is our own natural inclination like Paul's when we go through a difficult circumstances of change and, and transition is that we often want to isolate ourselves. 
We think that people are, are not going to understand. We, we, we're ashamed that maybe we're experiencing some difficulty. We don't really know what to do, and so we hide ourselves away, and we see Paul goes away, and he's not eating anything, and he's not drinking anything. And, and, and I think what that means is he's, he's trying to engage God, right? He's fasting, and he's praying, and he's trying to say, God, why is this happening? But he's doing it all by himself. And God doesn't speak to him. God doesn't show up. He has no answers. He's left clueless. So how did God begin to speak to Paul when he was going through his time of change? What does the story say? God spoke to him through another believer. God spoke to him through Ananias. God sends Ananias to Paul. In verse 17, it said, Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. See, it wasn't until Ananias came into relationship with Paul that something happened to, to begin to see God's work begin to manifest itself in Paul's life. The scales fell from his eyes and he could see again, not just physically, but spiritually, right? He, he now knew in a whole new way what he didn't know or understand before. That's why he gets up and immediately is baptized because he recognizes Jesus in the midst of his experience of change. For the first time, Paul becomes teachable. But it took God bringing other people into his life and surrounding him with other believers who could guide him and encourage him and bless him in that process. And that's when it says later he travels down to Jerusalem so he could meet with the other apostles as well. So, so here's another way to say it. You know what Paul did? He joined a small group. Right? He joined a small group. He got involved with a smaller number of people who he could share life with, who could kind of coach him and guide him and encourage him on this journey because it had to be a very difficult process of change for Paul. And right now, some of you are going through a season of difficult change in your own life, and you're trying to do it all by yourself, and you're thinking that if you just pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you try harder, and, and you just do it again and again, you're going to get there. But in the reality, what you're missing is the key piece of what God wants to provide to help you be successful in your own life, and that's other people to walk with you on the journey. Our natural tendency is to isolate ourselves. You think about married couples who are struggling. If you're married and you're having difficulty in your relationship right now, the worst thing you can do is not talk to anybody about it. Because you're not going to solve the problem with each other because you're the problem. <laughs> right? You need somebody who understands marriage and understands the problem and knows that every couple has struggles and we can do it better together. We need support. We need encouragement. If, if you're heading into retirement and you're struggling with aging and wondering where is God in my life and what purpose do I have with the few years that I have left, you're not going to figure it out by yourself. You need the support and encouragement of others who are on that journey with you to see where is God in the midst of my life in this season and how can I discover his leading and his blessing for me as well. Or how often do we see this happening with our students when they go off to college, 
right? They're no longer part of a church or a youth group, and they're off on their own, and they get in with a crowd that aren't believers, and so they're influenced by all the wrong people rather than the right people, and in their isolation, they tend to slide away from their faith in God. College is one of those most important times when we need a small group of fellow believers to walk on that journey with us because college is tough. And I can guarantee you the enemy would love nothing more than to get into your heart and mind and to mess up your thinking while you're in college. But look at what happens when Paul surrounds himself in Christian community with other believers. If you jump to verse 22 of chapter 9, it says, Yet Saul grew more and more powerful. And he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Isn't that what you want in your life? Don't you want to grow more and more powerful? Power to to, to affect your dreams and your hopes and to experience the kind of life that you want for your marriage and for your family and for your kids and for your career? Don't you want to be able to grow in the midst of the changes of your life? If you do, I want to suggest there are three truths that we can take away from scripture this morning. Number one is that God never wants you to stop growing. Never. That's what Paul says in Philippians 1.6, right? Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day you graduate from college. <laughs> That's not what it says? He will carry it on to completion until you make it to the top of the org chart. No, that's not what it says. He will carry it on to completion until the day you retire. No. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. If you're not dead, you're not done. God will never stop growing you until the day you die or until Jesus comes back. And so number two is that you grow most in the midst of change. We have to understand that change is an opportunity. We don't always like change. We might not have chosen the change we're going through. It may even be a painful time of change, but it's an opportunity to grow the most because it's in those seasons of change that we become most teachable. Which leads us to number three is, therefore, your growth depends on your ability to embrace change. That's that's a hard statement because we we don't always like change. But embracing the change that we experience is the answer to be able to use that experience for our good and for God's glory. The greatest seasons of growth in my own life have have always been seasons of difficult change. Some of them I chose and I wanted them and and therefore I grew for them because I gave myself to a challenge and some of them I didn't choose. And the reality is, if I'm painfully honest with you, some of them that I didn't choose came as a result of the choices that I made. But see, the bottom line question for us today, the bottom line question for you and for me is really, how teachable are you? How teachable are you? It doesn't matter what changes you're experiencing. God can use it to grow you if you'll let him. 
If you think about it, it was 20 years later after Paul had experienced this massive change in his life and his name was changed from Saul to Paul and God continued to grow him through the experiences of continuing change and transition. If you know his story, you know that he experienced multiple shipwrecks. He was beaten. He was nearly stoned to death and ultimately he's now imprisoned in Rome and he's reflecting back on his life. And in Romans 8, 28, he says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And we know that in, in a few things, God works for good, right? Or, or, or in, in, in the good things, God works for good. In the easy things, God, no, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The question is, do we have the faith to believe that God can take the messed up, broken wreck of your life and my life and actually bring something good out of it. The amazing thing is he can. All you need to do is look to the cross of Jesus and recognize that this broken, fallen world that is marred by sin, that has twisted the relationships of humanity, has been redeemed and overcome by the blood of Christ. That's why he came. It's because God knows that in our own strength, we can't straighten it out. We can't figure it out. We're not going to ever get it right. But you know what? It's through his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness that we don't have to get it right every time. What we can do is we can allow him to teach us, to grow us so that we get it right more and more of the time, at least until Jesus comes again. Even in the things that we didn't choose and that we don't necessarily want, God works in all things for good, if we'll let him. So maybe the question to leave you with today as you go is, do you believe that God can do good in the midst of the changes that you're going through? Do you believe that God can do good in the midst of the changes that we're going through as a faith community here at Faith Covenant Church? Do you believe that God can do good in the midst of the changes that we're experiencing as a nation and as a world as we continue to, to race towards globalism and we have all of these questions of where we're going as a world? Do you believe that God can bring good out of all things in our lives? Because the answer to that question will depend on how much you trust God with your life? How much do you believe that he's a good God and he cares for you? Next week, as I said, we're going to look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. If you want to begin reading ahead, his story begins in chapter 37 of the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. Let me leave you with three questions that you can ponder as we lead to next week. Number one, what change do I need to embrace in my life? What change might, be God, might God be inviting you to, to embrace and to, rather than running away from it or isolating yourself, it wants you to embrace? And, and, and what is God wanting to teach you through that experience of change? What lessons might he have for you? And then the final question is, who's helping you walk through that change? Don't do it alone because God designed us to walk this journey together. And your answer to number two about what God is teaching you may only come as you participate in your answer to number three, as you invite someone else to walk on your journey with you. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you continue to challenge us to open ourselves to your teaching and your leading in our lives. 
Change is hard, God, and yet we also know that it's inevitable. Give us the courage today to embrace the changes in the seasons of life that we find ourselves in and to seek your presence and your guidance in the midst of them. God, teach us how we can become more and more like Jesus who gave his life so that we might have life and have it to the full. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.